definitely welcome you to the show here. We have hip-hop and R&B royalty joining me here on the show here tonight, CJ Wallace. CJ Wallace, welcome to the show Sports and Hip-Hop with DJ Mad Max. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, bro. Doing good. About to go visit some family up in Harlem right now. How's it feel to be back in New York, especially knowing that's where your family originated from, especially your father? Yeah, man, it's great. I'm, I'm loving it out here, especially during the summer. It's beautiful right now. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to parking out here. Just, I'm, I'm going to have to be out here a lot more now. So Be out there a lot more now. L.A. raised you, though, because you were originally growing up in Jersey at a young age, like two to three, then you moved to Atlanta, and then you made your way out to Los Angeles. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's L.A.'s definitely been home for me since 2004. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that Los Angeles, you're a Los Angeles guy over in New York. What is it about L.A. that you prefer? Um, I think it's just a little bit more slow-paced just the way I was raised, like, I was just more laid back. I was, you know, I've always been a driver, and I like to drive and, and explore. And L.A. is a place where you can do that. New York, you can't really, but you can drive, but it's just hectic to do it. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just a more slow-paced dude, more laid back. But I'm, I'm starting to get my New York fix as I'm getting older and realizing why this is a place where people come and, you know, People get to the grind out here. Like, this is where you, you just get inspired so easily out here. I'm starting to feel that. I'm getting that New York bug. So, I don't know. Right now, I wouldn't say L.A. over New York right now just because this is the first, you know, real New York summer we've had since COVID and everything. So, this is um, it's hard to, to kind of compete with this right now, especially in L.A. L.A. Be, LA it can be too slow sometimes. So, yeah. It can be, man, but it all starts from the beginning because, you know, rest in peace to your father, the greatest to ever do it, and, and just hearing about your story of growing up in the in the game. And you started to really take things into account when you started to be around everyone in the studio, especially when Bad Boy moved to Atlanta when you were in Atlanta and all the artists would be coming around, like Pharrell, Missy Elliott in your house. So you started to get your grasp then of that you knew that your parents were famous and you were in the entertainment business. Gold, you know those those early out where the sound of, so yeah I was just, you know me and my sibling able to witness a lot of that so yeah those are golden moments that I'll cherish forever. Usher used to come around too. Yeah, we lived lived in the same uh, country club as Usher when we lived in Atlanta. One of our neighbors. Uh, I believe a couple of the members, twelve. Bobby and Whitney lived in the country club with us. It was, you know, it was you know a family always just around each other. That was a beautiful time. Man. I miss those miss those years. Those are some golden years for you early on. But something that was interesting in learning about your journey was that you were scared of seeing photos of your father when you were younger because you thought he looked menacing. Yeah, bro. That I've been, I've been kind of revisioning those memories that I used to have, and yeah, a lot of his pictures used to just scare me, man. I just it was it used to look, man. And, and he did a good job of like portraying himself as the bad. I was always like just hesitant to to look at pictures of him, but that that was only when I was really really young. Once I got like my teenage years and stuff, I was like way more interested in learning more about him. 
especially when you got to play your father as a child in Notorious. This was something that you didn't even want to do at first, but once you started to learn more about your father, you were asking Junior Mafia and, of course, your mother and your grandmother about him, and you started to learn that you actually had mannerisms that were similar to his because the way that you rub your nose is very similar. Sometimes a lazy eye comes about. Yeah, yeah everything, bro. That's, that's literally right there spot on. Like My mom would tell me, you act just like him, then. You barely were around him, so you know DNA is real. It's it's very very real. And, um, yeah, that's that's the stuff that really scares me. And able to to play your father in a, in a biography film, not a lot of people can do that. So I'm really glad I I went and, and ended up doing that because I definitely was scared. I was more scared to disappoint anybody, and not do a good job. So that was the only reason why I was scared. Well, but you, you did it. You did a very good job, and it, it led you further into the acting world. And you even have your own interest behind the camera now. Could we get some directorial debuts from C.J. Wallace? Very soon, actually. You know, I'm really, you know, I'm really close with my brother, who's a musician. His name's Jihad. Uh, definitely going to be helping direct his videos and stuff, along with all of our other close friends. But. Yeah, it could be music videos, short films. I'm a writer as well. I'm working on a couple of different um, short film ideas, TV series ideas. So, yeah, I'm, I'm into everything. So I'll never be bored with all the different, uh, you know, options I got. For Kicks, because I know Kicks was your favorite role because you were out in Oakland and you learned all about the Oakland culture and you embraced it and how chill it was. Yeah, man, that was that was just a, as far as like atmosphere and, and being able to film in a in a cool town. Just you know, I was super young at that time. I was like seventeen, so it was it was really cool to be able to not only have a character that that was very uh, similar to myself, just as far as how goofy uh, Albert was in Kicks, but yeah, like I got to be myself on that, so it was just really comfortable. And, you know, everybody on that set was just super cool. I'm really close with a lot of the, the people from that set, cast and crew. Um, yeah, we built, like, lifelong relationships with that set. So, And that was one of my first real experiences on my own because I was there with my, my Uncle C's, Little C's. So it was just me and him. My mom came to see me a couple times, uh, and my brother came to see me a couple times. But I was out there by myself for, like, most of it. So it was really cool. Wow. It's just more experience for you. Now, on these sets, were you going up to these directors or just observing on the sideline of how they did things from behind the scenes? Did you ask for any advice from these directors? Definitely. Definitely. Working on Notorious and, and on Kings. And really, every you know project that I've worked on, I always you know try to build a, a personal relationship with the directors. Um, you know, try to make sure that I'm just going by their book. You know, I, I really don't want to be like one of those actors who has to do it their way or, you know, complains when they don't um, feel like they're, they're heard by the director. Um, I try to, you know, just be easy, easy to please, uh, easy to work with. Um, yeah. So working with, you know, Justin Tipping, uh, George Tillman, who directed uh, Notorious. Um, yeah, man. Dan Rush who directed Everything Must Go. All the directors that I've, I've been lucky enough to, work with a lot of really cool directors. So 
it's been a it's been a blessing. Man. How was it working with Will Ferrell? That was that was amazing. Man. He was probably one of the funniest people I've ever had to you know got to, the chance to work with. Um, even when he wasn't trying to be funny, he was just funny. So and yeah, we we felt that we felt everything was going Arizona. So that was a different experience for me. That was the first time I had been to Arizona. It was really cool. It was a cool town, like especially back then. That was before. Um, well, for me, I was still like in middle school, so I didn't really get to you know be outside and go to the clubs and stuff like that. But now that I'm older, I've actually gotten to go to Arizona to do some hostings and stuff. It's actually a really it's a turn town. Like they they be having fun out there. So it's definitely a you know college town, party town. So good time down there. Yeah. Time. Everything must go. Monsters and Men. She's missing. You also did Scream season three. Yeah, man, that was that was fun too. Shooting that in Atlanta, super star cast. Uh, shout out to RJ, Kiki, Tyga, everybody a part of that. Georgia, Jesse, with another you know lifelong bonds built on that set. Uh, just an overall great time. Yeah, man, I, I I love being able to work on different sets and you know build new relationships and friendships with people. So always appreciate that, man. How intense was it being on a horror set there for Scream? It was different. It was definitely a different experience. Um, I would do it again, though. I would definitely do it again. It wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be just because, you know, once you <laughs> once you sit in the reading rooms and do all the readings, you kind of know what's going to happen. People was joking a lot. and We had to be around some really, like, sketchy areas, shoot in the middle of nowhere, shooting in a board. That was definitely kind of creepy, you know, a lot of different uh, feelings about having to get into the, the, the slider where they put the dead bodies. I was not trying to do that, but I had to do it. So. <laughs> you, you know, it would be crazy if you were able to get a, a part in either Scream 6. I'm sure they're going to be pumping out a Scream 7 because Hollywood's all about <laughs> making cash grabs off these sequels. It would be amazing sure. to see you in one of those. That would be crazy. I would definitely be interested if they wanted to, you know, bring some people back. But I mean, I don't know. My my, my character got killed off, so I don't know if they'd be able to bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh man, I'm I'm glad to see that you're really pursuing this acting thing. Now, how difficult was it for you? Because when you watch in old interviews, they're, they're always pushing you because your father was a legendary rapper, he's an icon. So they thought you have to follow in his footsteps. How difficult was it for you at times with the pressure of being the, the son of the notorious Big to carry on and and have a hip hop career? Because you you have so many interests, whether it's acting, photography. Think big with the cannabis strand and just what you're doing for all, all the activist work and making sure that reinvest in the communities that were harmed by the prohibition of cannabis. How difficult was it for you just to overcome, you know, people wanting you to follow in your father's footsteps to be a hip hop artist? Yeah, not not too difficult. You know, music is always going to be in my life. It was really more of a mental thing for me to just accept that, like, I don't have to, you know, do what everybody wants me to do. Um, I was always interested in music, but it just got to a point where I realized this wasn't something I was as passionate about as I thought I was, you know? So once you have that realization with yourself, it's really just about, you know, are you going to push yourself to learn something new, do something different, challenge yourself, or just, you know, go with the flow and do the easy things. So it was, it was a, 
easy decision for me to make that one. You know, I, I definitely want to make an impact in this world in a, in a different way than my parents have already done. So music's always going to be there for me if it's something that I want to do when I'm 35, 40. It's rappers now that's blowing up at 40 years old and really like just now sort of seeing, um, yeah, the benefits from all the work that they put in earlier. So I could be like, or I could just be in and write for somebody and you know do that do that route because i always i'm always gonna write i love writing with my brother for other artists so i could do that too so you know there's a lot of different ways to to be in the music industry without having to be an artist speaking of of someone that's 40 someone that i did hear that you're good friends with is benny the butcher what was your reaction in him adding 10 more commandments to your father's 10 crack commandments on tana talk four i loved it i felt like it was definitely necessary um you know especially i'm a huge fan of the drug bars and you know Pusha t benny all of griselda really uh boldy james you know there's certain guys that just different category when it comes to talking that talk so i need to actually do it and do it the way he did it i mean there wasn't really anybody else that could have done it so um i loved it i wish i could have been in the video we had talked about actually having me in the video but it just didn't work out but um yeah man benny's one of the coolest dudes that i've ever you know got to be close with in the music industry and he's a real dude man just really really about what he says <laughs> you know he, he don't really compromise anything for his you know for his comfort which is what i i respect that no, it, it absolutely that, that song was great along with Tana Talk 4 we need more artists like that out there and being the son of Notorious B.I.G. and understanding hip hop do you, what do you think is the disconnect just because you can understand it because you're the son of Notorious B.I.G. And, and as well as Faith Evans what is the disconnect you think that these kids don't understand the legends of your, your father in that time era of the 90s where they're just so involved in what we have going on out right here with the Atlanta sound and Little Baby and stuff how come they don't understand what came before them like they do i wouldn't say that they don't um it's more about like like take the 90s for example like when my dad and them were were really just starting out they were trying to do something different than what the guys in the 80s was doing so just challenging the status quo is always going to be a part of our culture i feel like you know and the people that you know are ignorant and just don't listen i mean we don't we don't even have to argue with it like there's no point in even making that an argument because Without 90s rap, what would really, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what started it all and really opened it up, you know, opened up the floodgates for everybody else. So without that, you don't get all of these, you know, different types of artists. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to make that argument to me. But, yeah, I love, I love all types of music. I don't really judge, um, you know, based off of sound or, or the type of um, yeah, the type of raps it is, type of music it is in general. I listen to everything, so yeah. You're a house guy too. Everything, bro. Literally everything. House, techno. Um, I listen to a little bit of rock, a little soft rock, EDM. My brother's a DJ, so we be like really trying to dig into crates and, and you know bend the bend the bend the rules and change the game up but yeah we did a house a little house record last year um just in celebration of 
you know, in, in celebration of Black culture and the fact that rap and house music are like two of the most popular genres and both sort of created out of out of the struggle. You know what I'm saying? Nobody was really supporting these artists when they were creating and starting this up. So, yeah, I just wanted to shine a light on that. We did the little uh, Big Papa House mix last year. Two years ago, actually. That was almost two years ago. Wow. And two years ago was when your father was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I remember you gave a speech when he was getting inducted up there on the stage when Puff Daddy was up there. Yeah, man, that was that was a crazy time, too, man. It's, it's so many different ways that we've been able to honor Big and his legacy. Um, I'm just happy to be a part of all of it, man. It's it's really dope to see how everything's sort of coming together. I'm celebrating his 50th birthday this year. Yeah. Um, we had the Getting his own B.I.G. day. Yeah, man. It's just all these different things happening. It's, it's really beautiful to be able to witness it and, and be involved in it. And the Empire State Building being lit up in the ready-to-die colors? It's so many different cool things that they're doing. Like, I didn't even know that that was an idea. Like, nobody, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't, you don't think about how, how crazy, you know, you can get with just ideas and all the different ways you can honor somebody's legacy. It's, you know, the ideas are endless. But yeah, that was a great experience, too, being able to actually go to the Empire State Building. They took me up to the very top, like, it's the highest level in all of New York. So being able to look over the whole city was crazy. Yeah. Then that's how they honor your father, the King of New York, Frank White. And we, we know how we, he got the name there, especially from Christopher Walken in the King of New York classic movie. And just yeah. see him take that on as a hip hop persona and carry on that legacy in and of itself is amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, bro. He was the real King of New York. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the movies, but your father was the real that's... King of New York. That's, that's big time facts and just learning about this new book and which i did read some of and it was all a dream biggie in the world that made him and just learning about the relationship of him and tupac because him and tupac they had a great friendship before the beef and the tension happened and people never yeah. highlight that there was a friendship beforehand they really cared about each other and then hearing the stories even when tupac was unfortunately killed about when biggie was crying your father was crying when he heard that tupac was shot and and it, it always it makes me wonder just because they did go through such a tension was it ever difficult for you when you first started listening to Tupac and hearing the songs to actually listen to him because you knew that there was some tension there? Was it ever difficult for you to listen to Tupac? Not at all. Not at all. Definitely not. You know, I'm a, like I said before, I'm a fan of music at mm. the end of the day. Um, and I know that, you know, their relationship didn't... I, I feel like their relationship wasn't... Um, I don't think it was um, because of... the Yeah, their their fallout wasn't because of the two of them. I feel like, I feel like it was definitely from just surrounding um, figures within each other's camps that just kind of egged it on and didn't really, you know, they had a lot of young people around them that weren't really about communication, about reconciliation. And, you know, nobody realized how big the two of them were and how important having the two of them, you know, maintaining a, a, a good relationship was for hip hop. You know, people didn't really think about just the long-term effects of what that could do. But yeah, man, my life would be totally different if things didn't go the way they did. So I think about I think about this stuff all the time, man. People don't really realize that. You know, things would be way different if Pac was still here. Things would be way different if my dad was still here. So 
That's a fact. I, I think hip hop would be completely different. I mean, I could be wrong, but there are times when I sit back and I say, if your father was still here, I don't know, the sound may still, it could still be like, we're always going to evolve, but I feel as though that there would be just this precedent of that you need to try with your rhymes. You need to put in the effort. I feel like the effort isn't as there anymore in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. I agree. I could definitely agree with that. It's definitely gotten more watered down as, as we've seen more artists. And there's no real artist development. This is the conversation me and my friends have all the time. Like, There's no real Puff Daddies. Like, There's nobody that's really with the artists all the time, making sure that they're sharpening their pen, challenging them and in every way possible to, you know, to dominate, be be the dopest out ever. So there's not a lot of that anymore, unfortunately. No, and and it just your father just learned more about the story, and and recently you actually got his cane back from the LAPD. Yeah, bro, that's that was in lockup, in <laughs> LAPD lockup for over 25, you know, over 23, 24 years, and I was, you know, lucky enough to be close with Darren Dupree, who's one of the, uh, the officers on the case, right? On the case, yeah. So just, you know, lucky enough to be in the position I am to, um, you know, retrieve these items and have these conversations, open conversations with these officers. Because, um, you know, not a lot of people ask questions. I'm, I just want to know things and, and retain as much information from, you know, all the history as I can just to understand things. But, yeah, we've, you know, me and my family, we've come to a uh, our own closure with the whole situation. So, you know, there's not much that needs to be talked about, but that, that definitely needed to be received. I needed to get that back. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And just having that closure there. And it's all about CJ, because I know that you had your own group with your brother, Jihad, and you had nonfiction. And there was something back in the day I was learning about were or- origami profits. Yeah, man. I'm, You know how everybody has their they old school rap groups and stuff, man. I definitely, I'm always going to be interested in music, like I said before. So, um, yeah, that was me just testing the waters, figuring things out. We used to work with uh, this kid named Teddy Andreas, who's, mm-hmm. you know, still dope. We still support each other from afar, you know, but just I, I sort of branched off and figured out my own lane. So I felt like there was really no need for me to still be in music when my passions were elsewhere. So, But you never know. It can, that can always change any moment it always could you never know think big we got to get into the cannabis strand and the line that you created because it's all inspired by your family especially learning about your younger brother who was born with autism because your mother didn't want to give him any of the medical products that were prescribed she wanted to use cannabis products actual cannabis products and it's actually helped him out and that's what inspired you to create think big and want to give back to the communities and legalize it and help prison reform yeah, man. Um, that's been my whole passion. You know, that was, I was actually finishing up filming Scream in uh, 2017 when I was in Atlanta. And I just, me and my dad were talking and I, I used cannabis when I was on and off set just to help me get into character. And, you know, my dad really, he was the one who really told me, like, you need to think about getting into the cannabis world because you're a user, you're young, you understand what people like, people your age like, people older than your age like I really just you know I'm I'm just somebody that I feel like has always been interested in cannabis culture and the growth of cannabis culture so um yeah it was it was a passion of mine that I didn't even realize um up until 2017 and after that yeah man we just 
got the got it from the ground running, like just figuring everything out. So Think Big is really more on the the social impact side, social justice side, uh, focusing on getting people out of jail, focusing on uh, federal legalization of cannabis, focusing on just changing the stigma of cannabis in general. Um, so that's that's all Think Big is going to do. Eventually, I would want that to be a nonprofit of some sort. And then Frank White is the lifestyle brand. That's where we create the cannabis products, create fashion and apparel products, um, come up with different content stories. Um, yeah, everything on the creative side is Frank White and everything on the legal side and uh, social impact side, social justice side is going to be Think Big. So, yeah, man, that's that's been my focus for the past, shit, we're running on five years. <laughs> it's crazy. It's amazing to see you go up to Albany and meet with the governors and even the, the cannabis liaison. And you didn't even know that that was even a thing and just having a conversation yeah. with them and they embrace you with open arms up there. Yeah, man, that was, that was really, really a special moment for me and, and, and the whole Frank White team in general, just being able to have our voices heard. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the legislation that went into, into the law um, this past year was from, stuff that we gave them, you know, we, we gave them a lot of information from, um, you know, how Chicago legislation was written, how LA was written, just a lot of the things that we saw that needed to be changed. Um, yeah, we put that all in there for them just to, just so they can get more information on how we see the, the industry moving and, and where it should be as it pertains to New York. And, you know, we're really close with the Harlem business Alliance as well they helped us out with a lot of that verbiage and and language that was used in the legislation too so making sure that yeah we're giving back to the communities most harmed um yeah most of those communities black and brown communities obviously so yeah man that's that's really been the focus for me uh and as we get closer to figuring out this whole situation in new york and with the dispensaries and consumption lounges all the different opportunities that are, you know, going to be had in New York. It's, it, I get really excited just thinking about all of this, man. So yeah. Frank White stores and all that coming soon to New York. Um, make sure everybody's goes out there and gets that Frank White when it's ready, man. Just yeah. focused on that. Yeah. And, and it's always important for these cannabis companies. And you, you've mentioned it before to always give back 10% because I know that you, your company would think big gives back 10% on all the sales and, and just help out with the incarceration that's going on from the sales that happen. Yeah. And if we can do more, we, we always do, yeah. you know, 10, 10 to 15% was always, um, you know, a number that we stuck with, but if we can do more, we always do. So yeah, working with different charities, um, and different, organizations that are helping bring in different forms of education and, and uh, just knowledge about the cannabis uh, industry to, to our communities. That's, that's really been the focus behind Think Big and, and Frank White, as well as just, you know, coming up with new ways that we can talk about this stuff and open up the conversation for families to talk about cannabis use the same way people talk about alcohol consumption and, you know, all of those things. So I feel like it should be the same conversation when we're talking about these things. Yeah. Frank White, clothing, Mitchell and Ness, you go check out the collaborations. Have you asked them and, and even inquired about potentially getting a bad boy Biggie jersey that was worn in the Juicy Music video? Have there any been any talks about that, having a Mitchell and Ness jersey collaboration? 
That would hold on one second. This ambulance. Oh yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be a New York interview without. No, I would. <laughs> Coming through. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. What was, what, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> oh, oh yes, because of the Mitchell and Ness collaboration with the oh, clothing yeah. line Frank White. Have you inquired about possibly getting a jersey collaboration with the Bad Boy jersey from the music video of Juicy that your father wore? I actually haven't because um, they actually did bring that back. They they recently did that jersey, kind of remocked it for the uh, for the Bad Boy tour a few years ago. So I didn't want to kind of use that same idea. But um, my sister actually has the original jersey that my dad wore wow. in her clothing store in Brooklyn. So yeah, this that's that's definitely been an idea. But I didn't want to I didn't want to go with the obvious good idea so you want to create something new yeah maybe in a couple more years once that once that jersey becomes more cemented and as a classic i'll definitely have to revamp it and only do a, a few of them it's not gonna be a lot of them you know no you're in new york gentrification is a real thing that's taken over the communities all over the world thoughts on the rumors because i remember hearing when i was younger about the biggie mural your father's mural in brooklyn that everyone knows about and everyone sees you yeah. even taking pictures in front of it that yeah. the landlords wanted to get that taken off years ago really thoughts on that and and just man how did that just stop from happening i actually didn't know that <laughs> that's crazy um, i did hear about that long ago yeah. i didn't i didn't even know about that. i'm glad they didn't take it down um Right. Yeah, I I really I'm just glad they didn't take it down. I didn't even know that that was in the conversation. But um, yeah, that's a huge landmark for the city. So many people fly out from different countries just to you know go by my dad's stoop, go see all the murals, and be on the corners and all the different locations that my dad was was you know walking around. So. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I didn't even I didn't even know that. Yeah, and thank God that it, it wasn't taken down. Right. And you know, the Brooklyn Nets have embraced your father. The Knicks have been here way before the Nets even got here because I'm, I'm a huge Knicks fan. Okay. And learning about your father, who was his team growing up? You hear all about Big L. He was from New York. Never was a fan of the Knicks. Do you know who your father liked as a team? I'm not even sure if he had a team because he, I know he wasn't really like a super sports, you know, fan. Like I'm a, I'm a Laker fan. I know you're a big sports fan. I'm a huge, huge sports fan. So honestly, man, I I feel like my dad was more of a a, a player's fan. He he probably just liked the players. I know a lot of people like that, that were just, you know, huge fans of certain players. And and that was their thing. But I, I really don't know. I really don't know what his team was. That's a great question. I always say that to this day. I I doubt it was the Knicks. (laughs) You (laughs) doubt? Your father loved Brooklyn so much. I'm sure that he would have embraced the Nets. But just back in the day, because the Knicks were just the heart and soul in New York, it was like almost hard to believe that he couldn't be a Knicks fan. Exactly. Exactly. Man, it's just crazy. They've had you up there to honor you, honor your father as well. Yeah, yeah. That was a few years ago as well. We got to be a part of like the halftime show where they brought up the banner um, to honor my dad to, at the Barclays Center. That was crazy, crazy, crazy time, man. Um, definitely got to go back. I haven't been to a, a Nets game since then, so I was 
you know, hoping that they would, would get deeper in the finals this year so I could be able to go to a game, but maybe next year. Yeah, Katie and Kyrie got to play like what their contracts say, you know. They got to live up to yeah, the man. <laughs> those dudes. Those dudes are under a lot of pressure, though, man. I, I really hope that they do figure it out and that team does gel because I do like both of those guys, man. Huge fan of Kyrie, huge fan of KD. Um, yeah, huge fan of Harden. Those are all the guys, man. So I, I want to see them all do well, obviously. Yeah, and and that's why they chose the Nets. Imagine if they were at the Knicks, the pressure that be, they'd be facing. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh man, but something that always amazes me, and you speak about it in, in other interviews, is that your parents kept you grounded, and you can tell just by every interview that you do, and you you stay level headed, you're humble, and yeah. you know you would never know just based yeah. on the way you carry yourself, the whole yeah, legacy bro. story. I feel like you know that's my obligation bro like if nobody you know I feel like every everything can be worse everybody's situation is different um but yeah who am I to complain or feel like life's unfair when you know for the most part I've I've gotten things handed to me I've had you know a pretty easy life for all of my life so however I can lend a hand help somebody um you know create products that are doing good for people and helping out kids like my brother, um, shining a light on other stories like my brother's, that's that's what I'm going to do. So, yeah, man, it's very important to me to, to continue the way I've been, uh, the way I've been raised. Got to continue that. Is there any movement? Because I know you want to interview the children of legendary hip hop artists, as well as Barack Obama's kids. Is there any movement on that and creating your own show? Yeah, definitely movement on it. Um, I've really just been trying to take my time and figure out the timing for everything um, as we figure out just our position with, with Frank White in New York. Um, a lot of those separate ideas have sort of taken a back burner, but there's always movement on it. I'm always just thinking about different ways that if it's a podcast, if it's a actual TV series itself. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different things in, in the works right now as far as content development. So, yeah, man, just thinking about what's the what's the right way to play it, what's the right way to roll out as far as uh, all these different ideas we have. Your father's favorite song, it changes all the time. I'm not going to ask you what his favorite song is because he <laughs> recently said Everyday Struggle. Yeah. What album taught you the most about your father as a person? Ready yeah. to Die or Life After Death? Man, that's a that's an even tougher one because, you know, I learned so much from the first album taught me so much. It gave you real insights to just his humor, personality, his the way he just thought about so many different things. He was very open in the first album, but then in the second album he kind of gives you the growth and shows you, you know, how he was thinking as a businessman and how he was thinking about his brand growing. So, yeah, man, that's that's a tough one, but I'd probably say the second album just because he was he was growing up and you know sort of changing his his old ways and becoming more mature. So yeah, I, I relate to the life after death thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know you just re- I just saw the the release of it on iTunes and Apple Music. You had the 25th anniversary. Yeah, man. Yeah, bro. It just came out. I think. 
today or yesterday. Yeah, a couple of days ago. Yeah, I was it's tuned so, in. It's, it's so much, man. So much different stuff going on, bro. It's honestly hard to keep up. <laughs> it is. And just learning more about your father, he would have been a comedian, especially you learned that along the way in your journey because he was always cracking jokes and making people laugh. Exactly. Exactly, man. Yeah, man. He's he's much more like me than I ever really thought. It's crazy. Yeah. And he's with you, and you've spoken about it before spiritually, especially when you're in Brooklyn, especially when you're around your grandmother. Yeah, man, he's, he's always with me, especially when I'm with my grandmother. It's, you know, something I can't really, it's something I can't really run from, ever. No. CJ Wallace, man, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show and joining me here tonight. Is there anything else you would love to let your audience know that you're working on that we didn't cover here? Um, man, we definitely talked about a lot. I would, I would just say, you know, huge thank you to, to Lexus. We just did our first, uh, did the partnership collaboration with them. So father had a Lexus on the Frank White, uh, website, we did a Lexus collab. So tell, you know, everybody go tell your people, go cop up on that Lexus stuff, man. Um, shout out to Lexus and a portion of the proceeds to that are going to the youth design center. So that's the uh, charity program that we did for that. So, yeah, man, same thing, different day. Just keep pushing Frank White and trying to keep things moving. That's right. Appreciate you, bro. No doubt, man. Anytime you need any promo, you're always welcome on the show. Keep doing great things and carrying on the legacy and building a legacy of your own. That's the most important. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me, for real. Thank of you course, so man. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care and stay safe, man. Ever. All right, I'll talk to you soon, bro. Yeah, talk to you soon, man. All right.